this is Melissa Lamb, and, and you're listening, listening to Topa Talk. Talk. Hi, everybody. Today, we are so lucky. It is Veterans Day. It's gorgeous out. We have a true American hero with us here today, Tom Voss. He's actually local. He lives in Miners Oaks. He has a documentary out called Almost Sunrise, and right now, he's promoting his book uh, titled Where War Ends. So, hi, Tom. Hi. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're excited to have you here today. So, okay. So, talk to us. Yeah. What are you all about? So start off with my uh, military history. So I was uh, active duty Army, uh, 2003 to 2006. Um, and in that, I was an uh, infantry soldier. So specifically, my job was reconnaissance. So I would do a lot of uh, intelligence gathering, a lot of security uh, for sniper teams and stuff like that. Um, so I deployed to Mosul, Iraq, uh, 2004 to 2005, and that was at the the height of the fighting uh, in Iraq. So I was uh, 20 when I deployed wow. and um, turned 21 when I was uh, deployed as well. I always wonder how you m- how people make that decision to go into the military yeah. because honest to God, I would never, I couldn't, I c- wouldn't, I just wouldn't. I don't right. know. Like, we're so thankful. Like, we're so lucky people do it. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, did you come from a military family or? Um, so, it's not a military in the sense that like there are generations upon generations and generations of, of mm-hmm. people because there are, you know there are people I know that's like their family lineage. Like that's it. That's yeah. what they do. You know they're they're uh, military. But my my grandfather was a World War II veteran, served on Iwo Jima, um, was uh, injured, got the Purple Heart, and then came home. And wh- more importantly, I think for me, he became um, kind of a pillar of service in our community. So he came back and became a judge. And then volunteered for um, at least five or six different veterans organizations. I'm already crying. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, so for yeah. me, it was really important. Um, it's more about this, the service aspect, really. And my family is a, a family of service, and that's kind of what we we talk a little bit about in the book. Um, is that my my dad was a social worker, uh, worked with juvenile delinquents, and then my mom was a uh, special ed teacher for you know over 20 years and then so you're c- so you're a saint <laughs> is what we is you th- your family from, is a, well, just a lineage from, of saints you come from saints uh it's 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 really it's really uh, shaped me and who i am and and you know how i go about life and you know we we're raised that we're here to help other people less fortunate than us and that's um what we do and that was kind of the uh um what what brought me into the military did you uh, this is a very broad question did you enjoy your time yeah, in the military, there are I like there are two separate things that I like to look at. There's the actual service part, and then there's mm-hmm. the war aspect, right? Which are two kind of different things. Like in the infantry, you're always preparing for war, right? You're just training and training and training, and when you get to go and do it, um, you know it's a completely different aspect. Um, for me, at least, it was um, because the amount of training you get, it doesn't matter. Um, you know, what they put you through is never going to prepare you fully for, for the experience mm-hmm. of, of participating and witnessing the things that happen in a war zone. Yeah. Do you miss, I, I was listening to a thing that about um, the military and, and specifically with like the brotherhood that comes along mm-hmm. with it. And like that, when people uh, leave active duty, like uh, the big, one of the big struggles in transitioning back into civilian life is like the lack of uh, like brotherhood or like community or your troop did you find that that was something that was difficult for you totally i mean there's there's so you have to look at it from this angle there's less than one percent of the population that serves and um they're put into these um 
life or death situations where they have only the people to the left and the right of them to survive. And those bonds that are forged through that process are unlike anything that um, is out there today that I can, that I've really experienced myself. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, I have, I have guys that would, that would piss me off or like, you know, friends that are like, oh God, I can't, just can't stand this guy. But at the same time, we're all ready to give our lives for each other at the drop of a hat. So that's, that's what we're coming out with. And it's really hard to come out and then try to forge relationships with people that don't have that Yeah, the bonds background. just don't feel right. quite as well, authentic. Yeah. I mean, also, like, all of our realities are created by shared experiences. Right. So you come back into <coughs> this community that nobody has those shared experiences as you do. So it's right. like, how do you even talk to someone about it? Or how do you even right. get someone to understand? Because when you talk to someone who's been through something that you've been through, there's just such, like, there's, like, you could truly, like, heal that way, you know? But if mm -hmm. you're out here all alone, it's kind of tough. But I, I feel like the documentary that you made you tell us about that because that's is that what the book is on uh, as well yeah the book goes into a lot more detail so the the documentary is kind of the uh culmination of um you know it's the only thing that i was at the end of my rope i guess you could say and um in about 2012 or 13 i got to a point of you know and i got out of the military in 2006 so this kind of gives you the time frame of you know how long i was struggling and suffering for um, you know, I got to the point of wanting to take my own life. And the reason um, was really just to stop the suffering. That's the, the things that you see and you witness in um, the co in a combat zone or in war in general, you, you know, it's going to be with you for the rest of your life. So you're constantly stuck in this, this world of um, being stuck in the past and not being able to be released from that from those thoughts, intrusive thoughts, and this is what we talk about with post-traumatic stress, um, and then trying to, you know, live a normal life and come back here and then, you know, hearing people complain about their Starbucks coffee or yeah. order, you know, we always, like, joke about that. It's it has to be infuriating. Yeah, and, and like you were saying before, and it, it's isolating because you don't have that shared experience, and coming home from uh, active duty military, I'm, you know, from Wisconsin, Originally, <gasps> go pack gold. Yeah. Oh sure. Oh uh, yes, oh, yeah. I knew I liked a couple, <laughs> couple of cheese heads. Yeah. So, um, I I I just uh, you know you don't have the ability to connect with people um, around these these uh, horrifyingly amazing experiences, and you have to think about it too that a lot of the men and women that are serving are coming from um, lower socioeconomic places right so this is how they can get out of their towns this is how they can have a career you know in 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 some other place rather than a factory or you know whatever yeah. is going on in their town um so they come out or they join the military then they have this this experience of war and then they come home and there's no one to connect with about it so this is where isolation starts happening people start withdrawing from their friends and family because they just don't have anyone to connect with about that experience and that's why peer support um, is so important so I was in that same position of where I'm just like you know to, to today this date I've lost three friends after combat so the stats are you know anywhere between 20 you've lost them to suicide yes yeah mm. so any any anywhere between you know they say 17 to 22 uh, veterans a day it averages out to maybe every 65 minutes you have someone taking their own life. So, you know, for me, I, I got to the point of where, you know, I was going down that road. And before I even um, did that, I, I thought I needed to give 
at least some effort behind getting better, mm-hmm. right? Because at that point, I was just going through the motions and really just trying to um, um, maintain what I had going, which was like not a good situation. You know, I was drinking 18 to 20 beers a night just to sleep um, ooh, and then ooh, ooh. get up and go to work and, you know, go to school and I'd drop out of school multiple times and um, all the things that come with that. So this trek across the country, you know, leaving from Wisconsin and finishing in California was um, kind of a last ditch effort to really. And did, did you walk or bike or run? We or? walked. Okay. Yeah. So had uh, about 60 pound rucks, uh, backpacks, and um, we had everything with us. And then myself and another Iraq war veteran, uh, Anthony Anderson, we, we walked from Wisconsin to California and uh, just to start processing because we didn't have that um, that um, that time to do that. So you, you look at it, too, from the uh, standpoint of like the history of wars. You have World War II where, you know, the men came home on ships, right? So they had time to talk with other people, you know, in a more loose kind of environment where they can kind of talk about the things. They got to spend, you know, a month and a half or whatever it takes to, you know, come come back by ship. And nowadays it's 18 hours in your home. And if you're just guard and reserve, you know, sometimes that means going back to work. Well, I also wonder what the impact is. Like also when the men came back from World War Two, that mm-hmm. it was done. Right. It was done. Right. For the most part. You know what I mean? And so it's like you came back, it's not done. Like right. people are going out and seeing the same like does that have a heavy impact? I mean, this is a huge war. I mean, it's what, eighteen it's eighteen years now? Yeah. They're saying I mean that people who were kids who were born in military families, like dads their kids are now serving in the Iraq war. Yeah. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I'm not explaining that yeah. well. But and there's, there's some, there's, you know, there's generations of children now that don't know what it's like to not be at war. Right. I know. They yeah. It's just always, you know just what? always been that way. Do you know what's um, even more fucked up? Hmm. Oh, tell us. I don't know what it feels like to be at war. Yeah. You say like, oh, there's, but yet the we, we don't have we to are, deal with it. Right. We're all moving on. Like we, we don't like day to day life. Is I fine. have such like, um, not guilt, but like, I like, I, it's so like it's om- I almost feel guilty sitting here talking to you and knowing like the things that you've had to go through right. and the war to me like right. feels so distant and so yeah. far away and so unconnected to my life that like right well that's Ugh. extreme privilege that we get to Ex- be here exactly. and they go and they experience this and they put their lives on I the know. line for us and they come back and then they can't adjust and suicide like it's yeah. sick it's just terrible <laughs> well it's tough. i mean to look at it too I'm so thankful uh, you, you shouldn't feel uh guilty because you know we all we all volunteered we all took an oath um to defend the constitution and and the people uh within the country so you know you know the uh controversy controversy around uh colin kaepernick taking a knee you know like i was lot. gonna ask you about that today yeah. i didn't want to like bring it up to <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm going to give you a little well, bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, when he uh-huh. would came in, it's like I that's why I asked if we if anything was off the table. Yeah, no, I was no, like no. I'm curious because it's so triggering for people that yeah. have been in service even though that's not what it's about. Right. It's um for me, my opinion is that we're we're setting the environment for that to happen. So, like because we're doing what we're doing, protests like that are can happen and people can express themselves and have freedom of speech and all the different things and that's that's what we're dying for essentially um before and after combat so for me it's like you know as long as you know the people everyone right it's not just a select few everyone gets that right 
um, to be in the United States. So that's kind of my standpoint. Um, so your understanding there. is that you're protecting the freedoms that give yes. us the rights to do things like freedom of speech and yes. a peaceful protest and yeah. all that stuff. So you're yeah. prob- you're okay with it. Yeah, and I know a lot of <laughs> a lot of my a lot of my friends um, would gladly give their lives for it, and have and yeah. will. And I I mean I have friends that have uh, almost probably six deployments now. So they spent six years of their ooh, lives ooh. in combat zones. And you just have to think of one thing that's not really being talked about now is uh, generational trauma. So the uh, the way that my grandfather, World War II veteran, uh, coming home from war, um, just kind of got got back to it. A lot of people like that generation didn't talk about what happened over there, right? They just kind of yeah. st- stuffed stuffed it down and oh pushed yeah. it aside. So, um, but the the things that he participated in and the way that you know his um, experience with war played out impacted how he raised my my uh, my father, my aunts and uncles and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So we're, we have to start looking at um, the impact that war has not just on the people participating. Oh my in gosh, it, I just got the, the chills. Not the families. I get it. Right? But like the kids and the kids. And I just talked at a conference the other day and this guy blew my mind. He's like, think about this. A woman's pregnant with a, with a girl, right? And her eggs are forming as she's forming, right? So it's like the trauma, you know, that's passed down is, you know, grandmother's child. She just pointed at me because I'm obsessed with this fact. Yes. I, like, yeah. wig out it's with her on this. Like, even... The like blood of my grandmother is in me. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's so weird. It is, it, and it's true. And, it, and this... Her eggs are my... It's just you think crazy. about um, people who have survived the Great Depression, right? Like, genetically, down the line, they have been fortified to, like withhold uh, withstand stress right because their their grandparents had to go through that really stressful time then they have kids their kids are more resilient or at least that's how it's um, yeah supposed to work so you have to think just from a a aspect of war how long we've been at war how many families have been affected by it how many kids have been affected by it so it's like i would say it's not just like you know it's not just latitude you know there's depth to it too. Well, like, and to your point, you're very lucky that your grandfather came back and did it in yeah. that way. But if they come back and have true trauma and can't get through it and turn to alcoholism and like that negatively affects that family for generations and generations, right. it can go either way. Right. Yeah. And the, and the, the scary part about it is something that I'm really trying to advocate for is, you know, veterans, if they don't share their stories, um, we never know. Right. We're not going to find out the horrors of war. We're not going to find out, you know, how this is impacting human beings. But there's probably a lot of uh, fear around sharing what you've sure. done. Sure. So you went, so you were, uh, got out of the army in 2006, and then mm-hmm. you didn't do the walk until 2012? 2013. 2013. Seven years. So did you come up with this idea with your friend and then you were like, we're going to reach out to a film crew or did like a film crew re- reach out to like, how did the evolution of the yeah. of the documentary happen? Well, it just started out that it was going to be something that I did on my own. And um, I actually reach out, reached out to my buddy, Anthony, and see s- to see if he had a backpack that I could, <laughs> that I could use. I'm like, I don't have anything, you know. Um, so. I asked him that question. He's like, what do you need it for? And so I told, told him that I'm going to go walk out to California and visit one of my buddies that I served with. Uh, at the time, lived in Santa Barbara. So, um, and I'm just like, I'm just going to walk and try to figure out, you know, how this has impacted me, really. 
because after you get out of the the military, like at that time, all my friends were graduating college. Like I felt like I had to play catch up, you know, and mm-hmm. like get a full time job, school full time, um, get your own apartment, all the things, get back into life, and kind of just push everything aside. So, um, he he came up with the idea. He's like, "Why don't I come with you?" And then it turned into a, a fundraiser for a nonprofit back in Milwaukee, where I'm from, and um, we ended up raising over five months. We ended up raising a little over a hundred thousand dollars. Oh them. my God! Congrats. Um, yeah, Ooh. thank you. Yeah, it was great. And uh, we were actually approached by a film company, or uh, independent film producer. So they heard that yeah. you were going to do this, and they were like, "We'd love to like document this." Yeah, yeah. Okay. And then um, they came out and did like a kind of a test shoot to see if to make sure you were photogenic. And the, oh, yeah, I'm you know kidding. how that goes. To make, well, <laughs> as soon as the cameras roll, you know, you some people lock up. So mm-hmm. uh, they wanted to make sure they had just had access and that we were easy and um, you know open around the cameras and they decided to join us um they would come up for maybe 10 or 14 days at a time and shoot us and then go back and interview our families and all that kind of stuff um so it was really kind of a intimate process and i'm, I'm really good f- friends with the director today to yeah. this date and um yeah they ended up shooting over 400 hours over wow. over five months yeah, how long did it take you it, to walk it the took us it took us about uh five months to walk seven states and the the film the filming took place maybe three or four months after that as well so yeah they took about you know 400 500 hours and whittled that down into a 90 minute yeah film so <laughs> it's like there's so much that we couldn't like get to yeah. or talk about or anything like did, that did the walk have the effect that you wanted it to yes and no I mean, I didn't really know what, um, I really didn't know what I was doing. You know what I mean? I didn't know like how to, like how to, how to process or what that looks like. Uh, so all I knew is I needed to like remove myself from my environment and really focus in on it. And this was the best way that I knew how to do that. And, you know, Anthony and I really, we set like rules and boundaries. Like we're not going to listen to music the whole time. Um, because that's a just a distraction from what's going on inside. So we really kind of just um, try to put the best effort that we could behind it um, before getting to a point of uh, taking our own lives, because he was in the same boat as well. Mm-hmm. So do you two have PTSD triggers that you had to be aware of while you're walking? Um, like, like informing each other? No, I just mean, like, was there a moment when you were on your trip that you had, that something could affect you in that way that would that would trigger you into extreme anxiety or um yeah th- i mean there's there's stuff we were really aware of like um being it was just us on you know walking on county highways essentially the whole way um so we're what say in the military we're a soft target so if someone robbed us like and took our backpacks yeah. and we we're just we'd be days away from anywhere to get help so like there's things like if cars would pull over on the side of the road we kind of be sketched out a little bit um, we'd have to talk about how we're going to approach it. So we'd have like systems in place and stuff like that of how we approach cars that pull over and you know right. that kind of thing. So you, when did you um, start writing uh, your book? Uh, the process has taken I don't know about two and a half years, something like that. So it's a it's a, it's an investment in time and energy and um, it was a. Do you find cha- writing therapeutic? Yes, I do. Like uh, journaling has been something that's been very helpful for me, just from the real practical sense of like you have stuff bouncing around in your head, right? And then just to get it out on paper and see how it reads and 
it's kind of a way to kind of alleviate that. Yeah, I love journaling. Yeah. It's so. Oh, important. I hate it. <laughs> oh, I. That's love why I'm it. like that would probably that would make me more stressed out. Yeah. <laughs> no, like for me, I've learned such a trick this year. But it's like even before I leave work, I will like write down everything I think I need to do for the next day or the next two days or if I'm at night and I just am like my thoughts Oh, are I love spinning. a to-do list. Well, yeah. <laughs> I don't but that is journaling. It's like put it down on paper. You know what I mean? So that you can like move on. That's your version of journaling though. Is a to-do list. Yeah. And so it's like if you could get the thoughts down, you can't, you don't have to necessarily think about them as much anymore right. because they're here. They're, you can go back to it later right. if you want. Right. Does and your family still live in Wisconsin? Yeah, my family does. Yeah. Your mom, dad, and your sister? Sister lives in North Carolina right now. Yeah. Okay. So you walked all the way up to Santa Barbara and then you stayed here forever? I went back. And no, I'm just messing with you. Yeah. Okay. So. Um, Do you find like being away from your family is is difficult? Um, like, is, or you know, it's um, <clears throat> because of like what I've been through, it's really about finding a place where I feel settled. And that's. Um, what Ojai has been for me yeah. and it has you know I've bounced around the country for for years and uh coming here for the first time I was like okay like this feel it, feel, it feels good to be here and that was something you know unique and, and did you like feel it instantly like pretty when you close what ended up happening is I ended up moving into uh, uh one of my buddy's places in Ventura and just kept coming up here to go hiking so just kept driving up and driving yeah. up and driving up. You're like, up why don't I like, just yeah. cut, yeah. I'm just cut like, the commute out? Yeah, I'm like, gas is crazy. Like, why am I, like, yeah, so I started yeah. looking for places to stay up here. And your thing is, like, meditation, too, yeah. right? That's mm -hmm. what you're really all about. Yeah, I am. So uh, how do you get yourself to that point where you're just blissed out <laughs> meditating? <laughs> it's hard. Yeah, it is hard. And it's, it's a lot of uh, work. so I've been meditating uh, for about five years now, um, every day. And it, it's the reason why I've, I've kind of like uh, doubled down on it is these, the only thing that has given me um, any kind of relief from the, the suffering. And I've been on medications. I've been on, you know, regular through regular regular therapies <laughs> and, um, you know, more uh, experimental stuff, too. Um, and it all never really touches the, the root cause of the, the suffering that's going on. And uh, that brings up a concept that i like to talk about called moral injury thank I you yeah. i was like trying i was like oh what is that what is it i yeah. can't remember the phrase so the the uh the definition of that is when you witness or participate or fail to prevent um acts that go against your own moral scaffolding or so we all have this uh, moral scaffolding that is built up through our lives you know through childhood like and i always use this example too um you know it's not okay to take another person's life right so that's ingrained in us you know, generally from a young age. Yeah. So when you're in a combat situation, you know, that's lifted, right? It's kill mm -hmm. or be killed. You don't have a choice. So when you come back, you've um, essentially violated uh, one of your own moral codes. Um, and you have to start asking yourself questions like, um, you know, was I justified in my actions? Were we justified, you know, as a country? Mm -hmm. um, and if we weren't, um, what does that make me? You know, and you have these these moral questions that keep coming up. Can I be forgiven? You know, am I a good person? So these are the things that I think a lot of so veterans. Some pretty heavy questions. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, when you see you see the the pretty much the worst that humanity has to offer, which is war. Um, you know, just the things that you, that you never really have uh, thought of humans being able to being capable of doing to each other. Um, then you start asking those questions um, mm -hmm. because it kind of just destroys 
um, you know, all that, you know, all that, the whole world you created for yourself up until then. Do you think you're a good person? Um, yeah, I, I do. I think so too. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate I've that. I've known you for a whole 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I can I already tell. That. So this moral injury, it's like, it's just working through all these questions because you, if I'm understanding this right, you violated something like so deeply ingrained right. into what you believe is right and wrong. Right. Right. Well, so it's like you took this oath mm -hmm. and you were like, I'm doing this and right. this is for my country and the brotherhood. And it's like yep. this thing and you're in this moment and you're doing it because that's, that's what you're supposed to be doing. Right. But then you come back and you're like, but that's not what we do. Or even <laughs> while you're in, while, while you're, you're, there, you're there, you're like, was it, was it pretty um, hard for you during, I'll give you, I'll give you an example that Anthony likes to use a lot. That's a pretty good one where he was a convoy commander. So his job was to escort civilians uh in semi-trucks across the country of iraq so what he would do is get his guys they all go out and they go through some really dangerous areas and making sure that the their cargo would get to where it's going so there's one night where he's just like you know i'm just gonna you know and this is something we don't do as, as soldiers you never really question why you're doing your mission or what you're doing it for you're just you follow your orders you make sure that the the person to the left or the right of you um gets home safe like that's the goal at the end of the day, it's survival and, like, making sure everyone gets home so they can see their families. So he's like, I'm just going to ask this guy, um, this convoy, the uh, civilian convoy commander, what they're, he's the only guy that speaks English. He's like, what are you guys carrying in your semi-trucks? And the guy looks at him. He's like, oh, and we're not carrying anything. We're just meeting a, a shipping quota so we can get, you know, meet our contract um, regulations. So they had, like, you know, a shipping quota on their contract, which is, like, you have to run 40 you had to run 40 uh, loads, you know, to these bases or whatever. And so um, they weren't actually transporting no, civilians. No, they weren't. They weren't transporting anything. They were just doing driving from one just spot to another so they could say they did it. Right. And get paid. So that's um, at a Anthony likes to tell you, he's like, that's when it shifted for me, you know, because he's out there putting his guys at risk um, for for literally nothing. Right. So someone can get, get a paycheck, get a government government contract. Yeah. So. There's stuff like that that ends up happening. Ouch. You know, you see civilians on bases that, you know, end up getting paid six figures and you're, you know, as an infantry, you lower enlisted infantry soldier getting, you know, right around minimum wage or less than minimum wage. Um, and you're on 24-7, you know. So you start seeing things like that. And then you're like, why are we really here? Of course, you know, a lot of the, the those questions don't come up till afterwards. Um, because you're on 24-7. You're like, why even question? I'm already here. Right. It's, it's just uh, about surviving while you're yeah, there. Yeah, you just don't have the time or the space. It's not well, because like if you start thinking of that, you get distracted from surviving. Yeah. <laughs> and and on top <laughs> of it, too, it's like, um, I, I mean, I just there's nothing that compares. I mean, we'd go, go out for a 72-hour mission. I mean, imagine going to work for 72 hours, no break. And then coming I home. I would quit. <laughs> <laughs> and then coming home, and we would, we would take all our gear off, and we'd lay down in our bunks, and within, like, 15 minutes, we get a knock on the door saying we've got to go back out. So it's just 24-7 for 12 months, um, constant, constant. So moral injury is a really interesting topic, too, because it doesn't just apply to uh, the veteran population. And I had a woman reach out to me, and she's like, my daughter suffers from moral injury. And I was like, you know, when did she serve? And I had only the context of, of military at that point and she's like she didn't serve but she's addicted to heroin and she knows that every time she injects herself that her family doesn't approve of her society doesn't approve of her but she's physically addicted so she doesn't really have a choice you know in the matter so it's um 
I think it's really important too because it puts kind of a human face on addiction and that, that we're complex people with emotions and there's a lot more to it than um, just a quote-unquote drug user. Well, yeah, know? when you say that, it makes me remind m- reminds me of all those stories that like when we start talking about morals and ethics, right. what would you do for your family mm-hmm. to survive in right. America? You know what I mean? And some people have to go, they have to cross those lines that they've built themselves right. like you're talking about they built up this world and they have to do things that they wouldn't necessarily normally do right you know kill mm-hmm. steal whatever they have to do to get to the next day so that right. their family can eat right you know and so that's an interesting thought so yeah. how does meditation tie into moral injury so for me what meditation has been able to do is it has been able to give me kind of distance from the uh, traumatic events of my life so there was a time when if I would have heard um, like a car backfire or, you know, if I would have even seen like a trash bag on the side of the road, I would move over lanes to um, get as far away from it as possible because that's how improvised explosive devices worked in Iraq. Mm-hmm. You know, you see something on the side of the road, you get as much distance between you and it as possible. Mm. So I was, I was really conditioned um, to these things. So if I would be like in school and you know, would hear something or even even smelling today. Like if I smell burning trash, that takes me back to mm-hmm. um, to Iraq. So um, the meditation has been able to give me kind of separation from the, these emotions that I used to get swept up in. I mean, there are, there are times when I wouldn't even be coming out of my room for, you know, 48 hours because I would just have like an episode where, you know, either it was a panic attack or, you know, something like that. Um, symptoms of post-traumatic stress. Um, flashbacks, different things like that. And it would take me out for the week. Like I wouldn't go to school. I wouldn't go to work. Yeah. All those things. I couldn't participate. Yeah, my cousin is serving. And he still serves. He's in San Diego. And when he is away, I don't even know where he was. This is fucked up. But thanks, Eric, for serving. Um, <laughs> but he was in a situation where um, something went off like that. I don't yeah. know what you just called it. but um, And he got like shop metal and like had to go through that. So I yeah. like wonder what his... I'm sure that's so brutal. But now he gets to be in San Diego and do different stuff for the Navy and stuff. So it's interesting. Yeah, it's, um, you know, these these events that that end up happening. I mean, I don't think people have a a really good understanding of how impactful they are. Just on our our nervous system alone is is really challenging. And that's what the meditation, uh, yoga, these different types of holistic practices help uh, recondition the nervous system and bring it back to a more normalized state do you yeah, ever pe- smoke weed oh yeah does that help or does it ever send you into a panic attack um, like i know some people like get smoke paranoid. and they get paranoid mostly mostly for me it's just f- i use it just for sleep That's the same. Um, yeah it's just like a, a tool that i use for um winding down yeah it's not um and, uh, and you know i've a lot of veterans have sleep issues and that comes from you know erratic schedules Mm-hmm. And just having to, um, you know, be up in dangerous situations for a long time. So it's hard to relax and just, um, you know, go to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> Do you like people don't realize thing. that trauma is physical. Yeah. It's not just mental. Like yeah. It's physical. very physical. Yeah. Yeah. That's what you're talking about. The, uh, the uh, nervous system. So you have the yeah. sympathetic mm-hmm. and parasympathetic nervous system, your f- fight or flight conditioning that's turned on for veterans yeah you know so it's not easy to come home and just be like oh i'm just going to turn this off 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I, d- I shouldn't say this, but I don't even, like, lock my door half the time. I just come home, drop my shit. I'm like, cool. I'm chilling. Right. You guys don't. It's like you're always on. You're like, okay, what's next? Something might happen. Yeah. You. Yeah. You have to. I mean, you have to go through the progressions of, um, you know, the potential things that could the happen. The potential threats. Yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah. And that, that's just based off of training. And the, the training's intense and the training's ingrained in you. You know, so there was a while that, you know, I couldn't sit with my back to a door like in a restaurant or something like that. Oh God, now we have we have yeah. his back to a door <laughs> right now, guys. I know. He's got like two doors he can't yeah. even see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so that's um, you know, that's that's conditioning and that's uh, you know, trust and these different things that, you know, I had to do a lot of work around when I came home and that's one of the things about walking across the country that was really uh, beneficial for me was um being able to meet people with no connection to me or to the military or anything like that that kind of came up and stepped up and really helped us. Uh, get across the country and and if they didn't do that i don't know that we would have been able to um so for anthony and i it really helped us build trust again in and people does it help did it help you get out of your comfort zone and create uncomfortable situations that maybe you wouldn't have gone through yes i mean the whole thing was was uncomfortable it, it, it well was because like you said like some days you wouldn't yeah. leave your bedroom right. but if you go and you walk to california it's like you have to face this like right face on yep you don't you head to, on you have to interact with can't people. ignore it yeah um what are some what are some things that like frustrate you with our current like situation that like as a veteran like just <coughs> piss you off or um, like make you upset? Lack of leadership and lack of integrity. Um, mm. And I think that it's really hard when you as as a military veteran, you strive to live um, by a code of ethics, essentially in the, mil- in the military or you're held to a higher a higher standard, and um, you see uh, poor. I mean, this is you know one of the good things about my experience in the military is because you see great leaders and you see terrible leaders as well. Um, and uh, to really um, see that it's really lacking in on the civilian side of, you know, you have a lot of people that put themselves before, um, you know, helping any of anyone else or other people. So coming out of that environment where, you know, everyone was geared towards the um, bigger cause, right, which is, you know, the defen- defending of the Constitution and defending of the people. And, you know, you're essentially sacrificing yourself. You're saying, hey, I'm here, you know, whatever you need me to do, regardless of what uh, administration is in the government, we're going to do what we're told to do because that is a, that's our job and we took an oath to do it. And we have the faith that the people making the decisions and the people, the elected officials are going to make these decisions um, in the best interests of the people. Um, and then you find out that that's not the case Yeah, a lot of the time. Yeah, yeah. that is upsetting. Yeah, can people are selfish. Can I go back to kind of another, a point that I kind of made earlier, but sure. I'm going to make a Downton <laughs> Abbey reference here, guys. So bear with me. <laughs> Got to bring in a I've period never, piece. I've never, I've so never this is it, like so. a, it's like this like aristocratic family sure. in England, but it, it happens during World War One part of the episodes and uh this leads me back to the point of like in previous wars everybody was involved yep uh in whether they were off fighting the people back home were still highly um invested Mm -hmm. um and so like they show on this tv show like they turned their house into like a a, the like secondary hospital after people had like gotten their like immediate trauma treatment to like go back and recover and there was so much connection and like of course, like women filled in the positions while the sure. men were off fighting, and it was just like a constant, like, um, 
presence of mind. Yeah. And I think this is where my guilt comes in is that it is like, that's not how it is here. Right. Well, There's I think our values have changed. Like, look at our values. What are our va- exactly what he was just talking about? Civilians get to go work on the base and make six figures. What do we respect? We respect money. We respect material items. We respect that kind of stuff. Sure. And it's like, so they're like working class. You, you guys are out there working for us, you know. And so mm-hmm. I feel like, yeah, there's like, I feel like there's almost less of even like the excitement for the yeah. military have has even like dissolved a bit. Like to what you're saying, like before it was like, oh my God, our husbands and our sons and everyone's going, like we have to do something to pitch in. Like women went to work and like, like picked up the economy and like that's all changed so much. Yeah. And in World War II, there's rationing as well. So many people had to give up rubber and tin and different Mm -hmm. things that had to go towards the claws. And now, um, you know, a lot of, uh, I've talked to a few veterans in, in my circles that are for reinstating the draft just as a precautionary measure to stop these long prolonged wars because once everyone's involved then everyone has objections oh that makes such a good point so so there's people that are pushing for that just to and you can see when we moved away from the draft and went to an all-volunteer force you can see the number of deployments just skyrocket so then Uh, it makes me sick to my oh my god that makes so much sense though we're just in it longer because like oh these guys want to be here they're They're signing up on their own so why in the war and they're like not my kids not my problem and america's just chugging along right there's plenty of people in the workforce essentially you know let's send the poorest of our our population Mm -hmm. to fight the wars for us um they come out and they have uh not the support there to support them um so that's why we're in the situation that we are right now with you know 20 human beings taking their lives every day well i also wanted to go back to a topic that we were talking about where you said that your grandfather came back from war and like the answer to that solution was like you just get back into it you just Mm -hmm. and like you said you wanted to go to school full-time you felt like you had to get a (coughs) full-time job and i think that that's actually a larger issue with our society in general like if my mom died tomorrow Mm. my i would get like two weeks probably right no you would get three days well i have three days paid (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> legally i get no 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 i know but they yeah. would give me like about two weeks before they'd be like so when are you coming back in right and there's no time to heal there's no time to process because if if you're sitting healing you're not making money and you're not contributing to the society right. and like the man and you're actually it's insane you're actually sucking on the system so you're seen as you know uh, you're seen as like a piece of shit right exactly a lazy but so so get over it move on go to like figure it yeah. out life there. moves on yep what so we had, um, uh, my platoon sergeant was killed in action and one of our squad leaders oh. was killed in action. And we had probably maybe two days, one one day for a ceremony and then one day or two days off maybe. So maybe three like you um, <laughs> before <laughs> before we uh, went back out on missions. Um, and that's just how it how it had to roll. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm really surprised they even gave you that much time. That's actually. Well, it was more of, um, I think they do it as precautionary measures because I think once you lose a guy from your platoon or in your team or squad um they want to like they want want you to cool your jets so you're not angry out there just going for it oh god i didn't think about that so it's kind of like uh the prevent retaliatory yeah yeah that kind of stuff so um it's really it's really like um you know the wild wild west out there it's like that's the best way that can i mean there are no we don't we abide by our rules and any kind of laws that they have like you know tough you know we like we ran the show over there so it's um a challenging position to be put in because then you're you know detaining people and you're going in and you're you're being hated you're being hated you're stepping over families you're um you know 
taking men away from their families and they're the only breadwinners in the, in the household there and their in their culture mm-hmm. so like these are the other the moral dilemmas like i have a buddy you know who's just like you know i don't know what happened to these people i don't know we detained them i don't know if he died in jail mm-hmm. i don't know and what ends up happening is if you get you know detained by us and then you get released again then your family's at risk um, because we're not there 24 7 to protect people so that's why we don't get you know it's, it's conflict with the civilian side of things cause because they feel the like maybe you're, they're a spy now or they have um, some connection to the u.s government or no something? not, not so, so much it's just um they they feel that um <coughs> it puts the whole neighborhood in danger because at that time the insurgency um you know they ruled neighborhoods and villages and stuff like that and uh, you know they kind of dispersed when we would come through and no none of the civilians would really give us any support or help us but So, you know, there were times when we would go through and help support a village, and then we would uh, come back, and the mayor had been assassinated because we... What the heck? (coughs) Yes, because we were in the village. That is so crazy. Um, I just think that, like, overall, the amount of decisions that you have to make and, and the survival type like part that kicks in is like just talking about it right now is stressing me out i can't imagine like actually being uh being there and i just this talk has been so important for me because if i keep going back to this it just feels so far removed for me and Mm i i don't think i'm alone in that like i think a lot of people feel feel that way um and 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 you look at it it's like purposefully set up that way yeah (coughs) so if it's like um you know, if, if we can just continuously deploy people and then you have a civilian population that they can go shopping and they can do other things that they can do without any interruption in their lives, that just keeps the machine rolling. Yeah. And, um, you know, you, you know, talking about the military industrial complex and, you know, having been a soldier and having participated in that, um, you know, I always say they don't make bombs to sit on shelves. <coughs> so you have such a harsh Ouch. phrase. Yeah, my lord. Yeah. So it's like they have, you know, there are corporations out there. Their whole job is war, right? Producing war, uh, making sure it happens, making sure everyone has the the latest technology. I mean, we have something crazy like four or six times more funding, military funding. than. than Well, not to mention, like, think about all the corporate greed, exactly what you're talking about. Like, (coughs) we have stationed, we have people stationed near oil rigs that require absolutely no stationing so that we can guarantee that the oil comes back and that rich white americans can get richer right off of a off of an industry that is like the most ridiculous it's like not sustainable it makes no sense it's polluting our earth it doesn't matter but these 10 families in america get to be really rich off of it so let's keep doing it sure and they they fund both sides so this is how it works they (coughs) they give weapons to one side and then you know give funding to another side so it just continuously perpetuates um the war and it's just like you know you the impact that this has on on the planet um you look at you know greenhouse gases in general just think about you know fighter jet you know think of these 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 this equipment that we're using you know for military purposes you know it has a tremendous impact on our environment and um you know let alone dropping bombs is not not good for the planet this is the first time i'll ever say this but uh, fuck the environment i care about the people that are over there <laughs> like i like i am like the biggest like oh we shouldn't do it's yeah. bad for the environment <coughs> i care less about the environmental impact but the the human toll like the f- human toll yeah. that we're taking on every single side angle yeah. 
it's just insane. Like it's so fucked up. But let's get some what happy because I'm sad right now. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> you have this amazing book yeah. that you wrote with your sister. Which yeah. shout out to Rebecca. That sounds like she's been a huge part of your life and yeah. your healing, which is cool. Um, and you're going to have a book signing in Santa Barbara. Yeah. On November nineteenth. Coming up. Yep. Where? Um. Oh my God. Look up. Look yeah, it up yeah. on his website. Yeah, go to my <laughs> website. Look at my events. What's your website? There. Uh, it's the TheMeditatingVet.com. Yeah. Sweet. So I'm going to look it up right now. The um, <laughs> the nice thing about writing that with my sister was, um, you know, her being a family member of a veteran, we actually got to, like, talk about a lot of the stuff that I experienced and um, help build a lot of understanding, I think. Um, was she able to share some stuff from the other side of it that you didn't <coughs> realize maybe have impacted your family or your friends? Yeah, totally. And, you know, there's one scene that, you know, in the beginning of the book, talking about her taking me to see a clinical social worker for the first time. Um, and just how that kind of unfolded and um, how I was avoiding going to get help and all that kind of stuff for a long time. Yeah. And, um, you know, thankfully she had patience, enough patience to um, take me, you know, yeah. take me to go uh, get help for the first time. Yeah. Like no offense, but dealing with someone who has like extreme trauma and PTSD is not easy, y'all. Oh, yeah. Like I have experience <coughs> with quite a bit of experience with that and sure. convincing them of it normal day-to-day stuff like just doing laundry it's just it's it's really right. taxing on the person that's on the other end obviously that's totally. a selfish like view of no, it yeah. but it does impact the people that you're around yeah. and thank god she was will you know like you said patience and willingness and loving yeah. and like that's your sister yep she's not gonna yeah. give up on you yeah definitely so so i feel really grateful that you know we had this experience but then we actually got to go back and kind of talk about it and how we're gonna um share that experience for the, the in within the most uh beneficial for for people yeah and this is going to help people if you're a veteran or someone of a friend of a veteran or no veteran like mm-hmm. get this book for your, them your yeah. book signings at chaucher's 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 book yeah chaucher shout out chaucher's in, books yeah, yeah independent bookstore in santa barbara Awesome. We're all about that small business life, obviously. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> thank sure. you so much for being here today, Tom. Like the perfect, like perfect day to to talk yeah. about but this. This, on this felt really Day, important yeah. to us when you wrote us on that email. I freaked out instantly. <laughs> we were at work and we never talk. We never mix business and pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> I like screamed across the office. It's like Melissa, we have to do an interview on Monday. <laughs> like well, this is you. huge. Yeah. My grandfather served. I have a cousin in the military and. It's just like Melissa said, like, we are so extremely privileged. Like, it's people don't even think about it. And we get to do that because of people like you. So thank you. Huge. Well, I mean, last thing that I want to say, too, is that, um, you know, we're currently uh, have military presence in over 151 countries. And uh, here alone in in Ventura County, there's um, 42,000 veterans living here. Yeah. And we have a port. Port Wyneme is. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a very, um, this, this whole area of the country, you know, is kind of riddled with us veterans trying to, trying to find space. So, um, so show some know, love. Yeah. On, on this day, that's what, you know, it's for, it's for the people that have made these sacrifices and, um, essentially sacrificed their lives and a lot of them families and, you know, the, the everything that comes with that. So, yeah. And a good way to honor your veterans every single day, not just on veterans day is to be giving and caring and look out for other people and be kind and patient and help someone if you see them needing help and it's not like mothers it's like mother's day you love your mom every day let's love veterans every day not just no don't forget it 
and and especially too, you know, we gotta hold our elected officials accountable. Oh, you better um, go out and vote, y'all. Are you not <laughs> registered for Ventura right? County votes on <coughs> March third, I think. Yeah, mm. so it, that's important because at the end of the day, you know, the military does what they're gonna do, and they're they're um, they follow the orders. So. Um, it's all about the people in office and that hold that power to make the decision to go to war in the first place. Amazing. Thank Preach. you so much. For I went to church today, guys. Hey, <laughs> Thanks for spending your Veterans Day. Yeah. It's your day. Yeah, I know. You're so with us. <laughs> You're living it up. Congratulations. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you so much. We're so ex- I'm watching the documentary instantly and I can't wait to read this book. Thanks for having me. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Happy Bye. Veterans Happy Day. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Bye.